Hi babes, happy Monday. I'm back with another episode and also a bloody nose. I literally have a piece of napkin stuck in my nose right now and I look pretty stupid, but you can't see that so that's good. But hopefully it doesn't ruin the way that I talk. I'm trying really hard right now to keep my voice controlled and very normal. So hopefully you can't tell that there's a napkin in my nose. Before I get into the episode, as usual, <laughs> I should start pre-recording these intros because I segue into the high-low buffalo and into the core part of the episode the exact same way. I even introduce my episodes pretty much the same way 99% of the time. And if I change it up, it's because I'm noticing that I'm doing it too many times and I'm like, okay, I have to come up with something new because I just sound like a broken record. But anyways, high, low, buffalo, starting with the high. As soon as I got back from Japan, I got to see (laughs) two exciting things, which is one LV and she was so freaking happy to see us but I think she was slightly happier at the place that she was staying because we actually dropped her off at my dad's house and my dad's house had a bunch of dogs at the time. So she was definitely having way more fun. And also they let my, they let LV onto the couch, which we don't allow her. And oh, I also just realized not everyone knows who LV is. LV is my dog. I have a dog. She's a Pudo Bijan Freeze and she's almost two years old in about two more weeks from now. She's the cutest, sweetest devil ever. And yeah, so we dropped her off there. She literally had the best time ever. She could jump on the couch, jump on the bed. She had dogs to play with all the time. There was a huge backyard. All the things that she can't do here. Here, we barely let her play with the dogs, other dogs, because, you know, you rarely see them in the street. And usually it's, like, kind of awkward when you pass by strangers with their dogs. It's, like, sometimes it doesn't go well or sometimes the stranger doesn't really want you to be, you know, playing with, like, their dog playing with your dog. And then we don't let her onto the couch and onto the bed. That is not my personal choice. That is my mom's choice. And I got to respect her opinion since it's her house. And yeah, so she definitely had a lot of fun there. But I was super duper. I think I was even more excited to see her than she was to see me. Um, Another exciting thing about getting back from Japan was I got my new laptop. So I shipped it right before... I left and here's a freaking life hack for saving so much money. There are a few states in the United States that have no sales tax. You should take advantage of that. If you know somebody in those states or if you can manage to make a trip out of it, you know, fly over there for a vacation and then buy the things that you want. So I bought a new Mac laptop, shipped it to my friend's cousin, I think, in Oregon, which is one of the states with no sales tax, had it shipped over there, and then she shipped it back to California. I saved 
a hundred and something dollars. I also used education plans, so I saved even more on top of that. And I got a gift card and I used it to buy and replace my AirPods, which I lost. Um, so a lot of exciting purchases. I'm just so happy with this laptop because I can edit just way faster now. I have the 15-inch MacBook Air. I used to have the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Just a bigger screen now. My keyboard used to be broken, yada, yada. Basically, I'm super happy with it. For my low, I had... Oh, God, the dentist is literally not fun. Okay, basically, before and after the Japan trip, I had to visit the the dentist. And I've been known, everyone knows, that knows me, that I have an insane amount of cavities. And just a little fun fact that my dentist has taught me. Just a few things, actually. One is you need to floss <laughs> and it's not like a joke. It's like, you got to floss course. It's going to cause you serious problems. Like learn from me, um, use me as your example. I didn't floss for the longest time. And now I have like, I think I have seven or eight cavities and I'm not even exaggerating. I have legit seven cavities. Um, and then the second thing is that once you get cavities, it's not because of what you're doing today it's something that you did in the way way past and it takes a long time to build up so once you have you know not the best gums and your teeth are kind of just rotting it is too late to fix it but you can stop it from getting worse so you can't make it better you can't return it from 40 percent to 100 percent, but you can keep it at 40 percent. just a fun fact not that fun, but just a fact. <laughs> and so I went to the dentist and it just always, every time I go to the dentist, it's just never cheap. I know that I'm about to drop a couple hundred, oftentimes a thousand. It's 99% of the time, a thousand bucks at least. And so this time I dropped a thousand And this was after like kind of talking up the dentist and trying to get a discount (laughs) before it was like a thousand, like 400, I think. And then I was able to get it down to a thousand and yeah, not a fun purchase, but for some reason, like the way that my mind works is I'm willing to drop like a couple hundred for like clothes, a bunch of clothes. But when it comes to somebody asking me to drop a couple hundred for my health, it's like I'm angry. It's like, like, how could you do this to me? Like, this is insane. But it's like your health is way, obviously a bigger, it should be a bigger priority to you. And so, you know, you should be returning those clothes. Well, I'm talking to myself right now, but I should be returning those clothes so that I can pay for my dentist. Thankfully, I can afford both. But the thing is... I don't know why I get so fed up. I think part of it is because, and this is again a tangent, part of it is because I feel like I try my best to take care of my health for the most part. And like, I never plan for these bills to come up. So when they do come up, it's like, dang, that really sucks. And you forget how, like I forget that, 
you know, I can't live my life. I can't go on to the next day if my health isn't intact. So I take it for granted for sure. So yeah, but what a low. I hated giving them $1,000 for that. (laughs) And finally, my Buffalo, I just had a crazy spending shopping spree last month. And I just, it's just so weird, but I have this um, once a year. And last month it was August for me. I mean, this year it was August for me. And yeah, it, I just go through this every year and it's just such an interesting habit I have, a long-term habit uh, where I tend to shop a lot for just one month in the year. And yeah, so the dentist and my shopping habits just destroyed my bill. Moving on to the actual topic of this episode, which is unpopular opinions. So I've been doing some thinking over time and a lot of my opinions have been shaped by the people that I live with, people that I hang out with, and just society in general, but also my experiences. And so as I've been growing up and getting a chance to experience things that my friends haven't experienced, my family hasn't experienced, and because of it, I've come up with new opinions and perspectives, I've developed some unpopular opinions. And they're just kind of all over the place, but I felt like sometimes when I'm thinking things and I'm talking to people, I'll like say like, yeah, 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 like I I agree. But most, like sometimes I'm not really agreeing and I just don't want to tell them that I disagree because of the people pleaser, socially awkward side of me. And I just felt I just should do them justice and just tell the whole world or the 50 people that listen to my podcast what those unpopular opinions are so that they get a little bit of, you know, showtime, spotlight time. Okay, so starting with the first one is, I think, gosh, just reading this, and this is super weird for me to say because I'm like, I'm, you guys will see, but I think that therapy and reading self self self-help self-help is a good start but it is overall if you're using it as your solution for your life it is a scam and this one's a little bit interesting for me to say because if you've followed me or just know about me I really like to read self-help I'm a big like advice giver kind of person I like to get advice I like to watch it, read it, whatever. And I've always been a big proponer. Proponer? What am I trying? I can't even form. I'm just coming up with random words right now. Um, I'm a a big supporter of therapy, but I've hit a wall recently where I'm starting to, you know, go to these therapy sessions and read these self-help books. And I'm like, it's starting to sound exactly the same, but written in different words. And sometimes we do need that. As humans, as I've noticed in myself, 
even though I know something, I still need someone to keep telling me. Like it's not enough for someone to just tell me one and done. I have to be reminded over and over that Friday is trash day, so you need to put out your trash before Friday. Or my dad reminding me that you know the habits that I put towards art every day is what really is going to get me far. I have to have someone telling me that, and I already know these things, but I just need that reminder to be refreshed. And so, it's not too bad hearing the same thing over and over when I'm reading my self help books, but. I just want to say that after a while, it does get repetitive, and that's for self help. Specifically for therapy, when I'm going to these sessions, I feel like a broken record, and then I hear my therapist giving me feedback back, and it's like things I already know, and it's like the only reason why I'm having problems still, and I'm just sounding like a broken record. And having the same exact problems is because solving these problems is not an overnight thing. It's going to take a long time, and so I need to put in the effort over time. And sometimes it's like a few months. Sometimes it's even a year or more to fix that big problem that I have. And so. Going to these sessions over and over, I'm just hearing the exact same thing over and over. So, yeah, I, I get. I think it gets tiring at one point, and I'm just like, okay, I already know that. Like, here's another hour of me talking about what I already know, what you already know, and you're gonna tell me exactly what I already know to fix it. So. If you think it is going to solve all your problems, it really isn't. There's going to be a point where you're gonna realize. I know what I need to know, and all I can do right now is take what I know and then apply it to new situations. And then on top of that, I have to say that just knowing things is not enough. You have to be able to act on the things that you know. If I sit around here knowing that Friday is a trash day and I don't take out my trash, it's not like my trash is going to be gone from my room. And also knowing the fact that. You know, I have really bad habits of addressing my stress, for example, but then just knowing it and not doing anything to get out of those bad habits or like trying to change that pattern. Obviously, nothing is going to change. So it's not just knowing things and just hearing it being repeated to you over and over. You have to physically act outside of therapy and act outside of reading. Those self help books to actually make a difference, and just to add one more thing on this topic, it's easy to get trapped in reading and consuming this kind of content and thinking to yourself, "Oh yeah, like I'm making a difference because I'm learning more about it and I'm just trying to be more aware about all the different ways I can address it or all the types of problems that there are out there and what they're called and their terminology." Like, yes. It is helpful to know it, but you're not really doing the work. Like you're lie, you're not lying to yourself, but you're delaying the actual work that needs to be done. Therapy and self help is like twenty percent 
of the recovery process and the improvement and the growth and the glow up process, whatever you want to call it. The other 80% is the hard ass work, the hard consistency that you have to keep putting in every freaking day and failing and then continuing to get up and consistently try at it again before you can actually improve. But sometimes we're like, oh yeah, like I watched my my 15 minute, okay, we're not like that. I watched my 15 minute video. I read my two self-help books and now I'm a better person. No, it really isn't like that. My other unpopular opinion is that you don't actually have to eat three times a day. This is like a weird, I don't know where it came from. Maybe, you know, my hypothesis is that it's like a marketing, you know, capitalistic thing where like they needed people to be buying more food and whatnot. So we made it three times a day, but that is very unrealistic because yes, we are all humans, but we're still differently slight. We're still different slightly in our biology. So it doesn't make sense to box us like so rigidly in a specific diet schedule. And like it shows in everything. Like some people need more visual um, support when they're learning and some people like more logistical number, rational type of learning um, in order to understand things. And another example is people, some people just need five hours of sleep a day and they're doing fine. And then there's some people who could not run on five hours of sleep and they need nine hours. And so you know, putting us into a freaking schedule where we all have to eat three times a day. That's just super unrealistic. And so I realized this more and more when I was just starting to just eat an insane amount when I had, well, I mean, not even when I was diagnosed with the eating disorder but like just in normal times when I wasn't diagnosed I would think I would have to eat three times a day when I wasn't feeling full and I was just stuffing myself and I was like okay I gotta eat because it's freaking six o'clock and I just can't skip the meal for some reason but then I would finish it and I would feel disgusting and like I would feel super bloated I would feel like really like lethargic and just like you know heavy and gross like very in like I felt like half a human like I felt just disgusting um and I just hated that feeling and it's like why did I have to force myself to eat that way when it just feels like it's hurting more than helping I'm not gonna die from skipping a meal actually ends up helping most of the time because then my body has time to digest my metabolism can do its thing And I'm not like making my body overwork when I'm sleeping and I can finally freaking poop because my body could do its thing instead of being overworked. And so, yeah, I just have to, I just believe that you really don't have to eat three times a day. And I know there's a lot of science to this. I've learned a little bit about it when I was going through my eating disorder, like learning period and yeah, there's there really is no need to eat three times a day. I truly believe that you can just listen to your body 
and know when it's time to eat because it will feel hungry and that should really be the only time you should eat so if you today want to eat just one time and then tomorrow you want to eat four times because your body's telling you i need food then that's how it should be and that's how it was when i was practicing a lot in high school for my sport i was eating a lot and constantly throughout the day because I needed to fuel my body or else I was going to pass out. But then nowadays, I don't do much in the suburbs. Well, just the past few weeks, I haven't done much in the suburbs. So I don't need to be eating five, six meals like I did in high school. Okay, moving on. The other unpopular opinion that I have is that pasta and brunch, American brunch, is very overrated no matter where you are. It's just so cheap, so easy to make brunch and pasta, to replicate it for so, so cheap that it's ridiculous to me that I will spend 15 bucks on a bowl of pasta, 15, 20 bucks on my plate at brunch when I'm just getting eggs, bacon, and a sausage, which I could remake for maybe a dollar. So... I I mean, I get it, like, if you're going there for the vibes, I get it, but the food itself is really just overrated. But the vibes, I get it. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute to dress up, go to a really nice Italian dinner or a cute American brunch with your friends. Like, it is a big thing in New York, so I get it, and it's cute, but it is so overrated. <laughs> Okay, next and popular opinion that I have is that I think it's okay to get plastic surgery. And I think that it can be pretty beneficial um, if you obviously do your research, get paid the right amount of money for it so that you get, you know, a healthy surgery. You have like a good surgery that doesn't hurt more than it helps. And it is a very... Well, it's not permanent, but it's like a pretty permanent thing that can affect what you look like and how your body functions when you get older. So it's a pretty important purchase to make. So if you're doing all those things where you're researching, making sure you're finding the right person to do your surgery, I don't think it's really that bad. Like, I don't know why everyone makes such a big deal about it and why everyone, like, big deal as in shuns it or looks down upon it i get it i get some points why but at the same time i can see it as pretty beneficial like i get the reason of you know you came into this world looking the way you look because of your parents and whatever and you should appreciate your beauty your beauty even if it doesn't fall into society standards and if you don't appreciate and if you don't appreciate it and if people don't like the way that you look it is not your fault it is the external world's fault which yes i agree 100% i believe it but at the same time life is just not fair and if this is one way that you can pay your way to being a little bit more successful and luckier and just treated better in life, I don't know. I could see a lot of benefit from it. It just, it really sucks that people and society gives a lot of 
advantages and gives a lot of perks to people who just look pretty. They don't have to do anything. They don't even, they don't need to give you anything and they just need to look pretty. And it's just like how easy a lot of things can come to them, how many opportunities that they get, how they even get treated slightly better. Like there is a real thing of pretty privilege. The fact that that exists, it's unfair, but it is a thing. And it's not something that a lot of people like to admit, but it literally like looks influence a lot. And so if you could leverage that, take advantage of it by just paying for a surgery, I don't know. It's, it seems like a cheat code. <laughs> and that is why I don't think it's that bad. And I can see it as pretty beneficial. And if people do it, like props to them, you know, for taking that leap and going for it, even though they know that other people might judge them. And they're probably not even worrying about well, not worrying too much about other people and what they're saying about what they changed on their body because they're not going to always hear it and they're probably getting these little perks from these strangers that don't even know that they got plastic surgery. I'm just saying. (laughs) Another unpopular opinion. So people that I've met, and I've also kind of known this from my younger self people who are just always nice or like very wholesome there's something sus going on there's maybe a dark side something that they're not telling you and I'm gonna put myself in the spotlight I'm going to just use myself as a guinea pig because when I was younger I used to be just the biggest people pleaser I was everyone's friend and I'm not even exaggerating I was everyone's friend I would like even if I didn't like what the other person liked I did (laughs) to them they thought I liked what they liked I would just turn into this like shapeshifter and just became whoever the other person wanted me to be so that I could be their friend and it's just it was just this whole facade it was all fake it was like it was genuine like as in genuine like I was trying my best to be their friend like I wanted you know to have that connection with them and it came from a good place but at the expense of me not knowing and allowing myself to be who I truly was and so that was my caveat so Yes, I was always nice. Yes, I was freaking wholesome. Yes, I fit into the stereotype of the innocent, perfect, like trying to be perfect, quote unquote, goody two shoes, A plus, wholesome Asian girl. I fit into it perfectly, but the part that was problematic was I was not being authentic I really wasn't myself I was being fake and saying being fake sounds really harsh and seems like evil but in this case it like I didn't mean it that way it just it yeah I was being fake and it came to bite me in the ass afterwards because I didn't let myself be who I was 
And so it just really messed up the way I like grew up and like tried to figure myself out afterwards. So yeah, I've just met some other people that are very similar and I'm like, okay, you either have a dark side, you got some trauma issues that you need to address or there's something else going on. There's no way because anyone in in life in general, even with and with humans and whatever, having things be black and white, that is not a realistic thing. Black and white doesn't exist. There's always a gray area. There's always blurred lines. It's never just very cookie cutter. And if you ever think something is a yes or no straight and 100% true or false, that is not true. There's always going to be a case where you're wrong and there's going to be a middle ground. And so when I meet people who are on the very edges of a spectrum of really, really like out there and, you know, the opposite, complete opposite of being completely wholesome and nice or somebody who is always wholesome and nice. Like if I met those types of people, I would just automatically be sus. Like there's something going on because that is really unrealistic. And moving on to the next unpopular opinion. So... I also truly believe that people always find something is wrong in their life or something is missing in their life. So even if you think you want the perfect life, when you do get it, you are going to always find something that's wrong or missing. And it's because like if we just imagine what the perfect life would be, being able to not work, you know, do exactly what you want, all the time, just have all the time to control your life, all 24-7 of your life, I honestly can see a lot of things going wrong because you can get too much into your head and if you have too much time to just decide everything, you're going to be like, am I making the right decision? You're going to be faced with a million decisions because you can really do anything with 24-7 types of free time and I can see myself just getting super boggled down by having too many decisions and then at the end not making a decision and being stressed about it and then having too much thinking time you start becoming you start coming up with these fake problems and getting too much into your head. It is not a fun time being too much in your head. And so that's why I think you'll always find something wrong or missing in your life, even if you have the perfect life. And that's why I'm afraid like of those like Karens, because I'm afraid of turning into a Karen like in my retirement time. Like I don't get like I get why people want to retire, but I'm a little bit scared of retirement because when I get there, does that mean I'm just gonna be doing nothing? And then when I'm doing nothing, I'm just gonna start finding little things to nag about and it's just like a thing I've noticed in my family members that are much older they just have so many a million things like my grandma would be like oh like why did you put the apples here instead of there and I'm like why is that such a big deal like I got other things I need to be worrying about right now and I got you know other commitments I have work to do so I'm always thinking about those other things so little problems like 
placement of apples or how clean a dish is or um, whether or not like my hair is perfectly combed. Like those little things I don't have time to think about because I'm thinking about more important and pressing things. But when you when it comes down to a point where you don't have much other important things to think about, you start turning little things that really aren't significant into these big things. And yeah, that's why I think that eventually if you have like the perfect life, if you have nothing to do, you're always going to find something wrong and missing in your life. So you just kind of have to accept the imperfect life that you have at the moment and be like, I could have an even more imperfect life, but I got what I got and I'm grateful for it. Just a thought. (laughs) Okay, so the next one is after a certain point, there's, it's not worth it to get higher up in management, to climb the corporate ladder because there's a point where money doesn't like pay off having a, you know, stressed out, busy, extremely like packed life where you're working insane hours and then trying to be there with your family. There's a point where money can't pay it off and cover it and make it worth it to have this better life. Like I think a lot of people try to get up higher in management for many reasons and if you're trying to do it because you really care about your job and you really want to have that leadership and that experience to manage, okay, that's a different thing. But I'm talking about the people who are trying to get higher up because they think that they'll be able to get more money and that because they're in management, they'll have a better life. But what they don't realize is that you nine to five doesn't exist once you become a manager. There's no such thing as a nine to five. 95% of the time, it's going to be an 8 to 8 or an 8 to 10 or a 9 to 7. And maybe some weekends are going to be worked. That is a very realistic case. And what I've heard from my coworkers who are managers is that this is a thing that not a lot of people talk about is that when you go higher up, as you go higher up, your pool of candidates that are going higher up are getting smaller and smaller. So just think of your, so for myself, I'm in associate level right now. And there's thousands, like millions of people applying to be an associate level because they're coming straight out of college or whatever, you know, background that they have. They're starting off at the bottom associate. So you have a pool of all these general candidates from different backgrounds, community college, Ivy Leagues, no college, self-taught, whatever. So you're competing against everybody. And then as you move up at the higher level, you take the best of the associate level and you move up to the next position. And that pool is slightly smaller than the general level, right? Of the people who actually made it into the associate level of that company. And so you get the best from the associates and then you you put them to, I don't know, associate level two, whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but you guys see what I'm saying. And then from there, associate level two, the best of the associate level twos, only one can be a manager because a manager 
usually there's just one position for them. And it's not like you can have like 10 managers for the same kind of position. You can have 10 associates, but you can't have 10 managers. So it starts getting even more stressful and you start getting put into a position where it's easy for somebody who's just as good in performance as you they can easily replace you because they're all fighting for your position. The people that work under you are waiting for you to fail or just waiting to get your position, even if you don't fail. And that's pretty tough because that means you don't have as much control or freedom to you know, take breaks at work, to say no to projects, or to say no to working overtime a little bit. And it's just rough. And I've been seeing a lot of my coworkers go through this and they have talked to me about this. And I'm just like, what is it like? Like, why, what were you thinking? (laughs) Kind of question. And they're like, yeah, it's rough up here. It is super competitive. It is tiring. And I'm just like, I don't envy you. I didn't say this to them, but in my head, I was just thinking like, I don't want to be where you are. You're, like seeing you every day you're not like my goal you're not somebody I look up to at all I'm happy where I am as associate right now maybe I'll go up a few more levels maybe just for slightly more pay raise because yes there's a point where I'm at a point where like the money would be nice like to have more money would be great to have and it would be worth working a little bit extra but I know there is a line And I know there's a lot of people out there that are looking to climb that ladder and just keep on going to the top. But for me, I don't think that it's worth it to move up at a certain point. Okay, finally, for my unpopular opinions, there's nothing wrong with being a Nepo baby or using a family or friend to get a position. And this kind of comes from the same reasoning that I have with the plastic surgery opinion. And it's that life, sadly, and this is a reality, is unfair. Life just freaking sucks for some people more than others. And if you have the chance to get help from a family or friend or someone in your network, just use it because everyone else is doing it one way or another you just don't hear it and if you can just leverage it you might as well do it and life pure like just an example to really just set the stage when you are born you're already born at a different advantage than everyone else so some people who are born into a poor family with no connections they're behind the fin- the starting line and then there's some people who are given parents with insane connections all the money to go to these schools take these classes get these certifications whatever and they're starting way farther ahead from the starting point just from the get-go no one's doing anything you just were born and you just popped out of someone's vagina and now you're in a different position and you're already in a better place or in a worse place and life is just like that and it just doesn't make sense to have the people who are way 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 farther in front of the starting point to go all the way back 
starting from where the people who are behind the starting point starts at. Like, it doesn't make sense to put everyone back there. Like, it's not going to happen. There's no way. We can imagine, we can create this hypothetical, dystopian, utopian, whatever society that you would imagine. You can see, like, it in Divergent if you want to see how it happens. Hunger Games if you want to see how it happens. Whatever it is, that's your reality. You can watch it on the TV. But that is not happening right now. And so being being faced with the cards that we've been dealt and the like the status and the situation we're put in in this world that we're in it just makes sense and it doesn't seem that terrible to leverage your network your family your friends so i get it like i came from a like a very judgmental place where I really did judge and get annoyed with people who took advantage of their network and their family and friends to get a better position. And I still am angry about it, but that's just how it is. Life is unfair. So if you're given the opportunity, you should just take it. If I was given the opportunity, I probably would take it too. And that's the end of the story. Okay, but thanks for listening. <laughs> Let me know if you disagree or agree with your unpopular opin- with these unpopular opinions. I really love, like I wish there was a way for people to respond to these podcasts and like send me a message and their opinion through like a, their own like voice memo. Like these are like basically me just talking out of my ass to myself and just listening my own voice, like repeat thoughts that I always have. But I would, I love hearing when my friends respond to them and tell me their opinions, if, if they agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. And it's just so fun to hear people react. So if you want to send me a reaction or let me know what you think, I think Instagram would be the best place. But anyways, don't forget to like and follow this podcast again. It literally means the world to see people listening to my podcast and it makes me feel like I'm not just, you know, having these thoughts in a silo and that I'm not stupid for starting this podcast. So thanks for listening if you've been listening and if you're new here, thanks for coming on and staying on for this long in this episode and yeah, have a good rest of your week as always and bye.